And so church, I greet you once again this morning in the precious name of Jesus. I say to you, you are most welcome. And uh, it's good to see some of you that we haven't seen in the past few months. I see the children are grown so big, my goodness. But uh, it's good to have you in the house. And to those that we will be meeting via YouTube, podcast, may the grace of God, the abundance of his love, become the sweet fellowship that you will have with him. For God is not restricted by time and space. God is wherever the house of God is. Wherever he is received, he makes his abode. And uh, it is, you know, we looked at that word, um, stealing from Marty's sermon. Um, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you read prior to that, it's got nothing to do with salvation. Because it is speaking to the house of God. It is wherever you will welcome me, I will make your, uh, my abode with you. Not, it's not a salvic me- message. It is a message of lifestyle. It's a message of how you live, how you perceive God, how you receive from God. Because God is forever active. You say, we all say, his mercies are new every morning. And yet we want to operate uh, like the day we got born again. And God is on the move. He is fresh. He's refreshing every morning. And so we should be standing in expectation. Every time I open my eyes, I expect God to do things differently. What he done yesterday, it is old manner. Today he's doing new thing. New thing does not mean that he works outside of the script. He works within the perimeters of the script. That's why the word of God says those that are outside of the law will, uh, will be tested outside of the law. Those that are within the law will be tested by the law. And so God is not restricted. And uh, that's why the word continually says to us that uh, none can say, I don't know. For he said, I will write my laws upon their hearts. And no man needs to remind another man, do you know God? Because every creature knows that God is. So whether you accept that he is or not, there is a deliberate um, uh, position right now to rewrite God out of our lives. And uh, I firmly believe the scripture that says, while men slept, the enemy came and planted the tears, that it is applying to our current situation right now. There is a deliberate attempt. We've been just too fast asleep to realize that the church is being made to of known effect. The voice of the church is being disrespected spectacularly. And somehow, even those that are leading churches have become participators in the disrespect that is being paid to anybody that say, Christ is Lord and King of my life. They look at you like you really don't know what you are talking about. All the church has uh, concentrated on is how much money it can have in its banking account, how many aeroplanes that they can have, how many flashy cars they can have. It's no more about uh, have I died to myself 
that the glory of God will be made manifest in uh, those that I come across. That when they see me, they see the artistry of God in my life. Have you died to yourself? Have you been uh, tested enough to know that those things no longer apply in my life? When the enemy comes uh, to puff you up, how do you respond to that? Do you then pat on yourself on your shoulder and say, you see, when I came, when I prayed, things happened? Or do you say, uh, when somebody comes and uh, make a boast of you, which is uh, sometimes we do need, but uh, are we gracious enough to say, I am so grateful that God gave you that which you needed through the words of my mouth, but it was God at work. It is how we learn to humble ourselves and never ever run away from the reality of that temptation will come. Temptation will come that you get caught up in, uh, in, uh, in thinking that uh, you're the superman. But as long as you know that you've been caught up in this and you'd repent and come back, God can use you. You see, God will use every vessel that knows that it, it has defects. When we become perfect, you know, the word tells us that we will become perfect when we meet him face to face. Right now, we are imperfect. And every time, I tell you what, somebody came to be prayed for, you know, every time they will come and say, pray for me that God fills me with the Holy Spirit. And uh, the preacher finally asked and said, why do you come all the time to be prayed for? I prayed for you a month ago, and now you're back. A month before that, I prayed for you, but you keep coming back. Why? He said, because I have discovered that I am imperfect, and so I always leak, and so I need a refill continuously. And that should be the, uh, our point of departure. When I leave home, I say, Lord, use me today for your glory. And I know hell breaks loose on the, such a day when, uh, my, you know, sometimes we can say words and, they, uh, and you have no challenges. And sometimes that you, you speak by the spirit, the enemy will come and test. But never be afraid of being tested. Because I tell you what, when you stay to the script that God knows you by name, that he will never forsake you, he will never leave you alone. You need to know that when I am God's side, the enemy will have a time that he will come and sift me like wheat. But I know that God has already, Jesus has already prayed for me, that the Father will keep me in the center of his hand. And so I, today, guys, I want to say to you that a time of lackadaisical Christianity needs to come to an end. We need to make a decision. I'm telling you, you can pray, you can pray and say, God, make me. God is not going to make you anything that you are not prepared to be. And, uh, and the word of God is clear that uh, God would lead you where you don't want to go. It's not because if God leads you where you want to go, then it is your own wishes. It's got nothing to do with God. When, uh, when you say, God, lead me, you better be prepared. That is going to take you some places where you really didn't want to go. You wanted to go that way, but when you say, God, lead me, he's going to take you to places 
I, I, uh, when we were meeting with the farmers on Thursday and, uh, and the workers on the farms, I wrote in, uh, on my notes that uh, I would say to them, which I didn't end up saying because I had to interpret everybody's uh, speech, whether it was Zulu, English, Afrikaans, I had to inter- interpret. And so um, one of the things I said, the, the, the sacrifice of... No, no, uh, I said the the benefits are felt long after the satisfaction of anger. The benefits of, uh, I know it is not uh, that you benefit out of anger, but what comes with the outflows of anger, you will feel long after you've finally satisfied yourself that, well, I aid my anger because of the destruction that is going to follow. Anger destroys. Hatred destroys. And so do not make friends with my right to be angry. Do not remain there. Because at the end of the day, it's going to kill your faith. It's going to kill your trust in God. And it's going to blind you to the doors that God has opened. Why? Because you are busy concentrating on what happened to you yesterday. You will never, I have heard so many things that uh, people have uh, been venting about how hard done by they have been. And I find that they have not moved. And I see those that, that have learned how to let go, how God is busy continuously blessing them, blessing them far beyond their ages, far beyond their cap- capabilities. They have forgotten of the things that, that happened, the neglects that they suffered. They decided that God is their father and therefore God knows they are tomorrow. And if God knows they are tomorrow, then it is he that must then lead them into their way that they need to go. We, do, we want to see things done our way. You know, it must be comfortable for me. You know, God knows my character. He won't send me to that place. Oh, yes, baby, he's going to take you exactly there. You know, where you think you're going to be disgraced, God is going to take you there. Why? Because he wants to teach you humility. Humble yourself before your God and he will lift you up. But no, we want to lift ourselves up and say, okay, now God, you need to come in and bless this thing here. And God says, what I have not called, how can I anoint? What I have not called, how can I make provision for it? Because my provision for you is there, but you went there. I didn't ask you to go there. I've seen so many people fly off the handle. They, as I said, they come into the church, they get blessed, and then when they think they are successful, they fly off elsewhere. And then you find that they are struggling again. That's not where God called you. Now, because you were challenged and you decided you need to walk away, why don't you fix the thing first? And then you will see your blessings coming. Okay, but before I get to our scripture, which is, of course, uh, uh, Luke chapter 4, I want to go, I don't know how many of you read Romans 11. How many read it? One, two, three, four. You missed an opportunity. You really did. Verse 
Romans 11, I'm going to read from, I just want to highlight a, just a little portion of scripture, which has been a bothersome to me. A real bothersome. And I had to come to that place where I said, Lord, I repent of that. But you need to go and read it. It's going to teach you. It's going to order your steps. It's going to show you that boasting about the things that, that you have, it's not going to help you. You need to learn to make your boast in God. You need to learn to boast in God. Resist boasting about the things that you have. I am paying a dear, dear price for boasting about certain areas in my life. And I am seeing it that God has just simply removed his hand from it. And so I have to relearn again. Lord, teach me not to boast on the things that I have. But uh, let me boast in you, that it is you that has carried me to this position. It is you that has carried me this far. So, Romans 11, verse 13. He says, For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostles of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and uh, might save some of them. He's talking about the Jews. He says, I magnify my office. He wasn't going around uh, boasting and saying, I am God's anointed man of the hour. He was saying that uh, I am taking my office as a, an apostle. I am taking it to the highest level in my uh, uh, allowing that office to be made a splendid and made to be of splendor because then I know that it will draw men to me. I'm not boasting that, uh, well, uh, I am the apostle that when I come, uh, things change. You know, some people say, bring me to your church and you'll see how things are going to change. And I think to myself, I, well, we were drawn to those uh, boastings before, you know, but I've realized that, that I need to bring Jesus in the house and then things will change. I know I don't need to bring another man. I mean, I've told you this before. When I was in Johannesburg, I cried to God, hearing these people speaking. And I'm saying, Lord, send somebody from Johannesburg, you know, to come and speak to the church. Maybe we will have revival in the church. And the Spirit of God said to me, it is the same Spirit. If, if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if the same Spirit dwells in you, you can do exactly the same thing. And so it is how you, how you receive the word of God. Yes, we want to have guest speakers. We want to have uh, 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 some uh, people come, but we want them to come in the name of the Lord and not in their own name. Amen. Mustn't come because they have been, uh, 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 God has blessed them. They are uh, successful with words. Men, you can fly the newest airplane around. But if you don't carry Christ, Amen. I don't need you in this house here. I don't need you. We can hire a hole somewhere maybe to teach people how to get wealthy. But if we want to say, lead us into holiness with God, then I don't need you in this house. And so he says, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world... What shall the receiving of them be 
but life from the dead. He's talking about the Jews. As I said, you should uh, uh, have read from the beginning of it all. Talking about you, the, we, the branches, you know, but you can read that for yourself. But I'm going to give you what concerns me, what concerned me. Verse 16, it says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, was grafted, grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if you boast, you bearest not the root, but the root bears you. But you need to go and read the whole thing. But my, uh, my word to you before we go to um, Luke 12, the, the, the verse that, that bothered me was verse 60. Because I, I, I've realized that I can't keep, uh, uh, I, I can't take out a stick for you. I have to take the stick out for me first. Because the word here says, if the first fruit is holy, then the rest of you ought to be holy. I'm not going to flog myself. All I had to say, Lord, when I see people continuously coming late to church, I, have to, I, I had to say to the Lord, okay, Lord, when we got saved, we were not particular in our time to be in church early. And so I've, had, I've, I've asked the Lord to forgive us for that, for coming late to church. And so from this day forth, you are on your own. You can no longer, I can no longer be held responsible for having sown bad seeds when I used to come late to church. I mean, we were never late really, but we were late. Because if the church started at 8, we would leave home at 8 o'clock. And it continued for quite some while until one day I got fed up and I decided that's not how church is done. That's not how I respect God. That's not how to respect your father. We decided from that time that we will be early on church and so we are. I know there are some that are here before me. They are here before me. I left home at Koropas, eight. There were people that were finished sweeping the yard already. It's good seeds. Good seeds they are sowing for their generation. And I've repented of my generation time. I'm leaving it to you. Now the responsibility is on you what time you come to church. Because it is going to affect your generation going to affect you, the next generation. And if you look at it, guys, things are going backwards. The things that you and I could easily do, our children can't do it anymore. Yeah. Mari's not here because she's taking care of the children because they're doing exams. And so she and Ethan were having a banter over breakfast about calculators so Mari said, in our days, we didn't have calculators. We had to, he said, yes, you had to use your head. Yeah. 
He says, I don't use a calculator. I look at the sum and I work it out and I see, okay, I can't remember how he explained it, how he does it. But he says, I don't use a calculator. Our children can't think anymore. Why? It's been made easy. It's been made easy. Before you used to make tea, how long it took you? You had to boil water. Oh, no, you couldn't boil water. You had to make fire first. And then go and boil the water. And then you had to put tea leaves and make it to draw before you could drink it. It took time. There was nothing instant. Now you got microwave. And so we think everything comes in microwave fast. You know, think if I leave home five minutes past, I'll be five, uh, in that minute I'll be in church already. We don't prepare ourselves. So I'm just simply asking, I'm just saying to you, I have repented before God on timing that I sowed that time. Today, I'm releasing a new seed. If the lump, if the first fruit be holy, then the whole lump will be holy. But as I say, please just pay attention to that whole scripture. Awesome. Beautiful. You would learn to appreciate even the Jew. The harassing time that they are going through right now and the more time that they are going to be having. And I'm telling you this year, those of you that will be around in the next few years, America might be protecting Israel at this present time. If, uh, well, but at the end of Donald Trump's uh, presidency, whether it ends this year or it ends in the next four years, I don't know how it's going to pan out, but prophetically, he is going to be president for the next four years. But uh, as uh, somebody said, maybe then, the church has been invaded by a lying spirit. But everybody that has prophesied say, I stand by my words. Trump will be president for the next four years. And so we don't know how it's going to happen. But uh, Israel is being protected by the allies or the position they occupy with Israel. But there's going to come a time when uh, America is going to give them up then you need to then start preparing yourself for Armageddon. Right now, it is a false protection. Not false. It is just he who lets would let until the time is ready. You see, when the whole world removes their hand from Israel, that's when God is going to step in. Right now, the word of God says God has removed his hand from them because of unbelief. When now they don't have a backstop, they will be forced to begin to trust in God. And so it is for you and I, whatever backstop you think you are uh, hanging on to, God is going to remove his hand and then he's going to make even that backstop that you're depending on. Remember, he is a jealous God. And so you are his handiwork. And nobody, nobody allows their art 
to be contaminated by other things and they, they just stand uh, one, uh, one side and just look on why you're being destroyed. That's not how a father will do. We're listening to Katy Perry this morning uh, giving her story how she started her own religion because her parents are just stuck in this thing here that doesn't work for her. Her father's a pastor. And so she's moved away from, from, from that. And I think, my child, you think because you are wealthy, you think now you can order God around. But God will remove all those things. And you have to come back to the reality of where God has called you. Because it draws no glory to God if one dies a sinner. That you need to learn to hold in mind. You know, so many people are daring God at the moment. And yet God says, if you obey, if you are willing and you obey, you will eat the fat of the land. So, Whoever might be listening to me today and you really believe that you're an anointed man and woman of God and therefore that your anointing gives you immunity from attack, think again. Think again. Let's read. Luke chapter 4. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. You hearing me? Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He wasn't a riffraff. He wasn't uh, um, not knowing uh, what to do, that, that, that's when then he was uh, taken away. It was a deliberate strategy that God allowed to take place. Why, you might ask. Listen up. Being 40 days attempted of the devil, and in the days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, command the stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this power will I give you, and the glory of them, for that is delivered to me, and to whomsoever I will give, I'll give it to. I am in charge of everything. Why? Because Adam gave it to me. He gave me access to it, so it is mine. I give it to whomsoever I wish to give it to. Will you then be one of those that is going to follow me. If you, therefore, would worship me, all shall be yours. Not I'm willing to share it with you. It simply says, I'll give it to you. It sounds like a good deal because Jesus came to save, to seek that which was lost. 
He came to reverse the curse that Adam allowed to come in. And so it's plausibly, it looked like it was a good deal. Now the job is done. I don't have to go to the cross. It's done now. You know, I, I have uh, subdued the enemy. And therefore, he, just by my appearance before him, he has uh, relented and said, okay, I'll take my hands away. You can continue in it. But Jesus wasn't fooled by quick and easy trump card. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me. Oh man, so beautiful. So beautiful. It's reminded me, I had such a good laugh yesterday when uh, uh, thinking about uh, Gabby. She phoned me on Friday. She had witnessed to somebody and that somebody decided to tell her her credentials, who she is. And Gabby says, I really don't care who you are. I want to tell you what Jesus tells me to tell you. Your credentials make no difference to me. I had a good laugh yesterday. I thought, this girl is cheeky. I had a good laugh. But so, there Jesus says to him, just get away. You know, it's just an irritation. Your credentials don't make any difference to me. <laughs> and he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give you his angels charge over you to, uh, uh, to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up. Listen, the man knows the scripture. He was giving Jesus scripture. And to the unlearned, it would be, yeah, baby, yes, yes, yes. Let's just, uh, let's just take a dive. You know, when we were in Jerusalem, they showed us one uh, uh, side of the, the uh, temple where the walls are broken. But there's still that pinnacle that is standing there. I don't know rightly or wrongly, but uh, they said, well, that is a place uh, like that, that uh, Jesus was uh, uh, placed on. Listen, Jesus didn't follow him like that. It was mind games. It was things that were done in the spirit. He was showing it because it said um, in an instant, he showed him all these things here. But Jesus knows his mandate. Remember, the first, um, the first temptation that the enemy will take you through. He says to Jesus, come on, be your own man. Be the man of the hour. You are hungry now. Just tell these stones here to become bread. You know. And Jesus said, no, I know who I am. Because there's a word, if, immediately casting doubt or desiring to cast doubt in uh, Jesus' uh, uh, position with God and in God. If you be the son of God, make these stones to be bread. You can't wait until you get home or get to Jerusalem or Galilee. It's not going to help you. You need to do it now. Or it was to Galilee this, uh, this instant. 
And Jesus says uh, to him, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. He said, what do you think I've been doing in the desert all these 40 days? I've been eating the manna of heaven. I have been feeding on the word of God. And now you think you can come now and break all that. Uh, how many of you, look, uh, Jesus went in those 40 days fasting and praying. And the enemy never once came to visit him. It was only when the time was finished and the enemy comes and he says, what do you think you accomplished? Well, if you think you accomplished anything, just become your own man and just demonstrate that you are the man. You are the man of the hour. You came, you can do this thing. Ask the small thing, man. It is just stones. Just tell them to become bread. Satisfy yourself quickly. And Jesus said, I'm not called to do things like that. I have called to be, obey the words of the Father. And the next thing that he asked him, of course, it is about his identity. If you be the son, it is, what do you know who you are? I mean, it is both sides. When somebody says, do you know who I am? Say, well, do you know who you are? How can you ask me, do I know who you are? Do you know who you are? I know who I am. I know my identity. Even uh, uh, at this time, uh, Jesus did not identify himself as God, as the Almighty. He said, I am the Son. And if I'm a son in my father's house, I know that I inherit everything anyway. So it is all mine already. Yes. It is mine. And so when your identity is in question, it is safe to know who is your father. Do you have a father in the first place? That's a reality. If you know that uh, 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 you have a father, then you carry your father's identity. And it had better be the identity of uh, the father of heaven and earth. Because even your own natural father has to have a father. And that father has to be based in Christ Jesus. Because the arm of flesh we cannot lean on. We have to lean on God. The arm of flesh can only open the door to the ultimate father. You know, I bless God for you that, that uh, grew up with your fathers. You knew your father. You knew how to behave uh, around him. You knew how to emulate the things uh, that uh, uh, he does and how he does things, how he behaves. We never had such things. But somehow God took over early. Even before I knew it, God took over. It, was, it would be later in years, 1982, when I gave my heart to the Lord. Only then I knew that God had been my father all along. That he had fathered me. And I tell you what, I do not envy Mr. Rotel. He's resting in peace. I suppose in God, he died somewhere in 2002. I don't envy the riches that he had. Oh, Yes. Sometimes I think I wish the lawyer would just call me and say, listen, uh, we have fin finally traced you. Your father left you so much. 
<laughs> but that's my flesh. But the reality is my father. Okay, I, I, I can show you a message on my phone. Uh, there's a lawyer, some koch something. He said, uh, your relative died and we are holding his estate, so you need to email us. I said, oh, sugar man. <laughs> Forget it. I'm not giving you any details about my life. They'll find me. If it's mine, they'll find me. I don't care. I don't care. I'm too old to be bothered anyway. I'd love to leave for my grandchildren if it was, but I have to make that. I can't depend on somebody else. I have to depend on what God has uh, skilled me with, what he has blessed me with. I have to speak the word over them. And so, so the, the enemy will try your identity. And if you don't know how to place yourself in God's hand, you're going to struggle to come with a semblance of reality. You're going to have to learn to form in your heart a blind faith. To start off with, we're going to have to learn to say, Lord, the things that need to change. I believe that the church is at the crossroads where it needs to change how it carries the name of Jesus. Please do not make Jesus just a badge that you wear. Jesus has got to be worn deep down in your heart. He has to be in your heart. It cannot be because I'm not that religion, I'm not re- that religion, that uh, then uh, you, you say you're a Christian. Uh, uh, your Christian walk has got to be written all over you. It's got to become visible. That's one of the things that I prayed for in my uh, 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 formative years. I said, Lord, you know that I cannot speak. You know I cannot witness to anybody. I can't even formulate a sentence. Please help me. Let my life speak for me. In my muteness, let my life speak. I, I know some of you don't believe that. But I tell you, that's my reality. I couldn't string two words together. I couldn't. I couldn't form sentences. That's why some people that I schooled with don't even remember me. I made no impact on anybody. And so I thought. Until I met somebody in uh, Forestdale. He says, hey, I remember you. We schooled together. You remember this and that. I'm thinking, Lord, was I there? But he knows everything. But I don't remember I was insignificant in my own eyes, but God was busy doing something. And so when you think of all these things here, when nobody seems to know that you exist, God knows your name. He knows you by name. He knows you by name. And so the enemy will uh, then uh, go and uh, uh, tempt him to uh, him uh, for Jesus to doubt his identity. And uh, Jesus will put him in his place. And next thing, it will be about wealth. He takes him and then he shows him the kingdoms of the, of the world. And he says, all this year has been given to me. All you need to do is worship me. There is a huge temptation, especially those that are gifted with uh, singing. They can become the center of attraction very quickly. I don't know, when we were small, you know, you would find people that learned how to play a guitar. And then it was famous that when you say, oh, somebody can play a guitar so beautifully, 
said, yeah, you know how. I said, no. No, he wanted to learn to play a guitar. And then he was playing a guitar late in the night. And then he was taken uh, uh, by the spirit, he was taken and put in the cemetery by uh, some old guitarist that uh, uh, died and he was placed there and the spooks came and taught him how. That's why they placed him. <laughs> hey, crazy things. Hey. You see, the, the, we had storytellers that time. It was, we had no television. So the stories were, but they took traction. And so playing a guitar, it came with danger, man. You, you didn't know if you must go to the spooks. And, and so, but uh, it will be, I will make you wealthy. All you need to do, you know, you can continue to go to church, but you need to learn how to worship me. Because you see, I give you wealth very quickly, just like that. Just worship me and all these things here will become yours. And Jesus will put that to rest. In fact, he didn't even entertain that. He just said, get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said, you know, if you only knew the plans of God for your demise. If you only know. I mean, Paul will say, if the devils only knew whom they were crucified, crucifying, they would never have touched the prince of glory. Amen. They wouldn't have, because it would not, you see, that's why the enemy was trying to circumvent that. Saying, you know, become your own man, make your own bread, yeah, man. You know, just take it from here. Okay, I give up everything. You just take it. I'll give you all these things here. You just take it. And Jesus said, no, no, no. You don't understand the plans of God. The plan of God is to dispossess you and take away any connection when you can say, I gave it to you. You see, some people, when they give you something, they're not giving it to you so that you might prosper and grow. It is because they are putting their claws that every time you can't move further than this. Because every time they will say, that, like one guy when uh, uh, I said I was leaving their organization, he said, but uh, I made you a pastor. I said, you did that? I thought it was God's anointing on my life. And then you recognize the anointing, and then you see that this is the next step. I didn't know it was your doing. I know, you see, because my claws are on you, I can control you. Be careful. Why are you giving me this? Are you giving me to bless me? Or are you giving it so that you can control me? Be careful. And then, verse 10, he shall give you his angels to take charge over you. Get reckless. You don't have to pray. Just carry on with life. Because every time you go off beat, he's going to put his angels to take charge. You can just stand here and just take a dive, baby. Oh, the angels will come. Oh, Jesus said, no. I don't have to tempt God. 
I know that his angels have taken charge of my life. I know that. Why must I go and tempt them then? Why? I have no need to do that. But remember, this is a next warning. Guys, it never ends. Verse 13, it says, And when the devil had ended all the temptations, he departed from him for a season. For a season. Do not think your victory today guarantees a free ride tomorrow. Remember, he has lost you as his prized possession when you have given your heart to the Lord. So there will be the next skirmish tomorrow. But when you are at rest in Christ, there's no need for you to sin. When you are in Christ, the word says, there's no need for you to go doing the things that you used to do. Because all things have become you. You can't keep going back to the things that you used to do. When I gave up drinking, when I came to the Lord, I gave up drinking. I don't need to go and taste what effect does beer have on me. I don't need it. I don't need it. When I gave up smoking, thank God, that's the only thing that fought with my system because it used to give me a headache. But liquor never fought with me because I simply asked the Lord to take the thing away. And it was gone. I never had withdrawal symptoms. I never have a crave for it. In fact, when I smell it, I need to move away from its presence because it's obnoxious to me. It was a decision I made. I decided I'm not going to violate my body any longer. It is a decision that you must make. You have to make a decision. You can't ask God to make you and do you what you don't want to put away. I don't know. They, I mean, they, they, that's why I say the, the Bible says the enemy left Jesus for a season because he never gives up on you. He will always be trying, trying. But as long as the enemy doesn't have his claws on you, you can walk free. And today, the Lord wants to set you free from all the clutches of the enemy. Go and read Luke 4 again. Read Romans 11 to know that even though Jesus purchased you by his blood, some people had to sacrifice their position for you to come in. Paul argues for the Jews. He says, did they get cast away so that a Gentile can come in? Is their casting away permanent? And he will say, no ways. God will restore the Jew. And the Jew is enjoying his Jewishness right now and is caught up in the law. Yes, their judgment will always be in the law. But there's going to come a time very shortly, as I say, their backstop is going to be removed when they can 
have nobody that they can call when the enemy comes. They will learn then to call on God. And I am warning you, whatever backstop you might have today, do not rely on your backstop. Rely on God. I am inviting you to once again rely on God. Do not rely on your good luck of yesterday. It might not repeat itself, but God is faithful and just. That if you repent, he is able to fix your yesterday and make your tomorrow to prosper. And uh, for the farmers, I wrote this year. I said uh, to them, it, uh, time for the seed. It is time for the seed to come out of the barns. And then because uh, the, the seed needs to, put, to be put into the ground. And only then you can see an increase. As long as your seed is in the barn, it will never prosper. You will never see an increase. And so... Whether it is via finances that I'm talking about right now, but right now I am speaking to you as your faith. As long as your faith is put on hold, there is going to be no increase in your faith. It is time you began to plant your faith. It's time you saw a need in somebody and decided that you have to meet their need. If they are walking recklessly, it's time, maybe in the beginning, please do not bombard people with the gospel. Bombard them with the love of God. You need to learn how to sit with them in the gutter, wherever they might be. Become their friend first. Because sometimes you don't even have to, because when you tell the person about the gospel because they are in the wrong, they are going to fight you. But become a friend first. Learn how to sit with them. But you have to be strong in faith. I'm telling you, you cannot go and sit and think the enemy is not going to cause a pull on your own life. You need to learn to strengthen yourself in faith. Then you can go. But you have to learn how to put your seed into the ground. And I I wrote here, the seed never dies. While it is not in the ground, in its uh, way it is going to die, that seed will remain unproductive. Because the seed has got to fall into the ground. It has to die for it then to bring new life. 